0: You are listening to the She Speaks Podcast. The She Speaks Podcast is here to normalize our experiences in life and business by sharing our stories of rising from the proverbial ashes of our real-life trials and tribulations. When we share our experiences, we give others permission to keep putting one foot in front of the other, remember to breathe, and to never, ever keep the power of our promising futures on the table. Tune in weekly for fresh new content that will inspire you to share your story too.
1: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the She Speaks podcast. I am so excited to be here and thank you for joining me. My name is Kate Juniper. And I'm a book editor and writing coach and the founder and CEO of Juniper Editing and Creative, an all-female boutique editing and writing house based out of Montreal, dedicated to nurturing, supporting, and empowering rebellious women writers to believe in their creative desires and make them a reality. Today, I want to share with you what I hope will be a paradigm-shifting outlook on the modern women woman's writer's life and how you can embrace it to build new and exciting realms of creative freedom and confidence, embody the fearless femme writer within, and live holistically and unapologetically as the artist that you inherently are. Yes, it sounds like it's a lot over 20 minutes, so let's dive in. You might be thinking for a show about great Canadian women, this guest sure does sound English. And indeed I am. I came to Canada nine years ago after living for three years in the Middle East where I worked as a high school teacher. I moved to BC and became a grad student and shortly thereafter met my now husband, a Canadian. And I thank my lives on various continents and in various countries and provinces for the perspective that it's brought me. Um, In particular, the perspective of my own cultural origins. Living amidst different cultures really helps one see the biases within their own culture of origin. And for a person who grew up against the backdrop of rural Britannia, Britannia rules the waves, the past decade or more of my life has been an extremely valuable process of dismantling and reevaluating the assumptions that made up my cultural and personal identities. I could go into a lot of different areas of my life where this process of interrogation and evaluation has allowed me to do things, quote unquote, differently. But my desire today is to talk to you about creative emancipation and to tell you how I came to identify and overcome two specific forces that are invisibly at work against creative women in the creative world and I say this as a professional who works specifically with creative women and publishing. Over the course of the last five years, my little business has evolved into a brand that supports women writers holistically through the entire writing life cycle. Whether they're finding themselves as a writer, or they're ready to write their book, or they've written the book and need editing and querying guidance. This instinctual and broad approach to serving my community came initially from my own instincts to support and guide my clients through what often proves a very emotionally intense and very mysterious process. And doing so has given me a profound and very intricate outlook on the pains and specific challenges that women writers and artists experience. Because let's face it, these titles are just two among the many that we wear. Whether it's wife or partner or daughter, mother, friend, career woman, housekeeper, homemaker, dishwasher, dog walker, cab driver, project manager. The list goes on and whilst it's kind of funny, it's also kind of not funny at all. The expectations placed upon women... In particular around this idea of the woman who has it all, which really translates to the woman who does it all, this stuff can be deeply damaging and divorce ourselves, divorce us from ourselves in ways that turn our lives into an eternal to-do list. And it translates to some really intense creative struggles and frustrations, not to mention deep feelings of failure in relation to our creative dreams. After all, who the hell actually has time to live the creative life they dream of? Who has the time and inclination to keep going when it feels like there are never enough hours in the day to do everything that life requires of them, let alone find the time to write as much or as well as they may want to? When frustration, confusion and overwhelm are the primary feelings around what it looks like becoming and remaining a successful writer must mean. When having an intense love for writing is enmeshed with feeling deeply unsure of one's right or ability to write. And a constant stream of questions is running through your mind like, is this, is my writing really good enough or fashionable enough? or genre conforming enough to get published. When life is so busy that you're watching word count goals and deadlines pass you by and feeling again and again like a failure because of it. When you're dealing with the suspicion that because you chose to become a mother or want to become a mother, you probably won't be able to achieve the heights of success other writers have achieved when your inner monologue delivers you a constant stream of reasoning and bargaining that says, if you could just be more productive, have more self-discipline, or maybe just take a vacation from your life, you could finally get some proper work done and get back on track. When you're shouldering discouragement or even burnout by the number of rejection letters that you've received, if you've even pulled the trigger on submitting at all. Often by the time I get on the phone with a writer, it's because she's lying awake at night, terrified that she'll never actually write the book she feels so called to write. Or if she has, that she'll never find the home for it that she feels it's, it deserves. Or she's simply exhausted by this litany of emotional and psychological challenges that just won't seem to let up. I just want to take a moment here to honor this experience because it's so real, it's so common and if this, any of this is something that you can relate to, I want you to know that you are not alone. And, you know, this is why we're here today to address and help you overcome head on this very painful way of being a writer that just seems to be the unquestioned default in our culture. And I'm talking about a default that even women writers perpetuate, women writers that I love to read and look up to and whose books on craft I have read voraciously over the years. This lens is everywhere. And it's the lens that tells you that being a writer must be punishing, that living a creative life equates to a life of intense emotional and psychological discomfort, anguish or dysfunction. And is therefore only compatible with brilliant and intense geniuses who can hole up in a tower bleeding onto the page until a work of unadulterated brilliance has been compiled. And I know this sounds extreme, but tell me that you have never thought your life was too pedestrian or too busy or too generally content for you to ever prove a truly talented writer. And here in this assumption, in this story, We find these two invisible, yet intensely obscuring cultural lenses. These inherited biases that are so inherent in our cultural ideas of creativity that we just take them to be truth. As conscious women, we know that in order to heal, we have to first realize and acknowledge the depths of our pain. But that's easier said than done when the pain is so normalized that it's practically invisible. So we have to make the invisible visible. We have to identify and interrogate the lenses that are causing the pain. And before we do, I want to ask you to answer one single question and you can answer it in your mind now, or even better, you can answer it at length in your journal later. And the question is, why do you write? Why do you write? And I want you to get really honest with yourself and the origins of your wanting to write. And I'm going to bet that it's probably not got anything to do with money, with accolades, with competition with success. The only thing that really matters when it comes to the question of should I write is does it matter to me? If the answer is yes, then that's it. That's all the reason you need. It doesn't matter you know, how much time it's going to take or how much money it's not going to make you. Those are irrelevant. You do not need any other reason to do something that you love other than the fact that you love it. But I bet these invisible lenses are sending all kinds of objections through your mind right now, even as I say that. Things like, but it's impractical to spend so much time doing something just for the sake of it. Surely it's a waste of time. Wouldn't it be selfish of me to pursue something that's such a time suck when I have so much else to do and so many things to take care of? Here are the lenses. We're gonna name them. One, capitalism and two, patriarchy. And it probably comes as no surprise to you that your creative life is not exempt from the influence of the many tentacled traps of capitalism and patriarchy but how is it actually playing out for you right now and this is where it gets so interesting let's start with capitalism we live in a culture that likes to invalidate art and creativity almost as much as it likes to judge women How many times in your life, especially when you were young, were you told that writing and art make great hobbies, but you need to get a serious qualification if you're going to, quote, make it and succeed in the real world? Capitalism tells you that your passion is way less important than, not to mention, totally incompatible with your paycheck. That getting to know yourself creatively is a waste of time because time is money and art doesn't pay. In capitalism, there is no room for play or pleasure or self-exploration as the reason for doing something. In other words, the nature of capitalism is to deny to every one of us our right to do things for our own reasons. All this, despite the fact that play, pleasure and self Exploration are integral elements of the human experience. I mean, when you boil it all down, isn't that actually what we're really here to do? This is why creativity is not just a spiritual act or an act of hope or an act of self actualization. It is all of those things, but it's profoundly radical because by choosing you over the machine that would have you working in one way or another from sunup to sundown, you're choosing life pure being. The state of being. And in doing so, you are choosing sovereignty. Radical. Okay, on to patriarchy, which tells you as a woman that not only do you have a much longer to-do list of responsibilities, both practical and emotional, to complete before you sit down to write, but also that unfortunately your writing is inevitably inferior due to your gender. While diversity in publishing is at an all-time high, our cultural legacy is still built upon a canon of books written predominantly by white male writers and built upon a foundation of exclusion, competition, and exceptionalism that still remains the norm in art making. We still see novels written by women described as women's fiction, as if they could therefore not possibly be of interest to male readers. We still see listicles and genres and awards separated by racial category, gender, sexuality, while books written by white male writers are the standard. This norm is the legacy that we've been taught to admire and uphold as the apex of literature. And it continues to be perpetuated right now in schools, universities, art galleries and documentaries. And while representation is improving, The values at the core of the creative process, these values of ego, power, control, genius, competition, and whiteness that have been instilled for centuries, still remain at the core of creativity. And yet ego, power, control, genius, competition, whiteness have nothing to do with creativity with the true nature of creation, which is organic, exploratory, intuitive, receptive, experimental, and full of magic. To put it another way, the natural nature of creativity is deeply divinely feminine. But you can see how these two lenses of capitalism and patriarchy, how they are entwined and how they prop each other up. And they set you up to suffer under conditions that they've created. For one, capitalism has no time for the true spirit of creativity. So it's no wonder that you feel overwhelmed, overtired and undermined because it it makes no time and space for creativity as valuable. For another, as a woman, you don't belong within the dominant strata of culturally approved and influential writers. And so you always feel at fault. And you go looking then for advice or ways to overcome this, this setback. Ways that are based in these same old values of ego Power, control, genius, competition, whiteness that just reaffirm this crappy status quo. And you hear advice from men and women writers alike like, just put your butt in the chair, be more disciplined, be more productive, be more ambitious, be more aggressive, get another degree. How unappealing but it's okay, because that is backwards. Your best work does not come from a new craft-related tool or exercise or in going back to school for yet another degree. It's not even in a new strategy or a more rigorous and disciplined routine. These are useful strategies, only if and when you feel you have every right to call yourself a writer, that you have just as much Uh, talent and capacity and right to call yourself a writer as anyone else. That you have the right to live your life as a writer, take time and space in your life to be a writer, writing, playing, experimenting, feeling. It's time to witness these invisible binds and change these lenses. And the first step is seeing them clearly. The second is in deciding for yourself what you're going to do about them? Are you going to sacrifice your connection to your inner creator in the name of the eternal to-do list? Are you going to devalue this profound calling that you is yours because it does not promise immediate financial return? Are you going to choose everyone else above yourself in this desire? Or are you going to claim what's important to you and have the boldness to let other people know and support you in it? You do not have to choose between your writing and everything else in your life in order to find creative satisfaction. You do not have to embody the values of ego, power, control, genius, competition, whiteness. You do not have to play that game nor must you sit down one day resolved to write the very best work of genius the world has ever read. You simply have to choose to value this thing that's so important to you and make time and space in your life for it accordingly, allowing for the possibility of organic, exploratory, intuitive, experimental, magical creativity. And when you do that, You not only change the way that you come to life entirely and radically, but in however small a way, you change everything about the world around you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the She Speaks podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to send us a five star rating and review on iTunes to help us reach more listeners. For more information on our publishing services, please visit us at www.gcwpublishing.com.